state a city or you cream or you cream a multitude of people i mean it's just like like you put all the off, offensive players in one bag and i just take a baseball bat and beat on the bag so each time he came over there i tried to tear his damn head off let's play some football let's play some football the pressure is on this is off the edge on tide 100.9 focus on what you want to do what you want to accomplish Think about that. Don't think about how you feel, how tired you are, how hot it is. You gotta push yourself on the field when you're playing football. It's my honor to present the national championship trophy to Coach Nick Saban and the Alabama Crimson Tide. To me, this is the ultimate team. All these guys bought into everything they needed to do to be the best players that they could be. There's more togetherness on this team than almost any team that we've ever had. And they had to overcome and persevere so much adversity through this season. And they've done it magnificently. And I'm so proud of this group for what they've been able to accomplish in going undefeated and winning the national championship. Screaming live on YouTube, Twitter, Facebook, and the Tide 100.9 app. Here is your host of Off the Edge, Jacob Harrison. Hello there, good morning, welcome in to Off the Edge right here on Tide 100.9 and streaming on the Tide 100.9 app. Joe Gaither, Mason Woods, I got my man Timothy Bowens and John Mirafield all in the house. Four of us for the next hour talking sports and more Alabama football, little MLB, Nick Saban, NIL, all this, this and that for the next hour. Getting you ready for the Jay Barker show later on at 12 to 2. Ryan Fowler will bring you 2-6 to six with the game. And then tonight, we'll have the first tight tonight of the summer with our interns. So stick with us, 6-7 to seven o'clock. You will hear the tight tonight episode with our interns, 6-7. to seven. Oh, and I want to remind you, of course, uh, if you stay with us 7-9 uh, to nine weekdays, we've been playing Chuck Oliver's show, Chuck Oliver out of Atlanta, uh, the king of college football. So stay with Tide 100.9 the rest of the day for live and local programming right here on Tide 100.9. we got a fun show uh, to get into today, hopefully. 
hopefully uh, several topics we want to kick around over the next hour. I want to invite you to be a part of the show by jumping in on the Alabama Vintage Hotline at 205-342-9904. Let me tell you about Alabama Vintage on University Boulevard. They got that green awning. Charlie and the company has all kinds of hats, T-shirts, jackets, all the Alabama hard-to-find memorabilia that you want to see over there at Alabama Vintage. Go by and see them today and tell them that Off the Edge sent you, and they'll get you squared away with anything that you could want. So a lot of, lots to get into today. I, I want to talk about Major League Baseball just a touch. Uh, I want to talk maybe a little NBA Finals. I want to talk a little bit about Nick Saban's NIL comments yesterday. Uh, as the SEC spring meetings are going on in Destin. You've heard a lot about that over the course of the last couple of hours with Gary Harris Show and Inside the Locker Room. So let's start with Major League Baseball. Major League Baseball, okay, I couldn't tell you what's really going on on the field because I'm not the biggest Major League Baseball fan. I know the Mets are tearing it up. The Yankees are tearing it up as well. The the Atlanta Braves are under 500. Don't fret, Atlanta fans. You were under 500 until about August until last year, and then you won the, the championship. But I want to talk about an off-the-field story in Major League Baseball. Kind of took over this past week, and we'll get into it. Uh, outfielder Tommy Pham. Uh, Tommy Pham ended up slapping Jock Peterson uh, prior to a game and ended up getting a three-game suspension. He, and he missed the game last night, so he's missed four games. But Tommy Pham slaps Jock Peterson before the game uh, and gets himself in trouble and you know cre- creates a media firestorm. And everybody wants to know why in the world did you get why why in the world did you slap uh, Jock Peterson? Jock, what did you say? What did you do? This, that, and the other. All kinds of what was the reaction? It'll come to find out. The two guys got into a fight, got into an argument over fantasy football. Tell you we don't really want to talk that much baseball here. We want to talk football. So Jock Peterson and Tommy Pham getting in a fight over fantasy football. Why? Apparently, uh, apparently Jock Peterson put a player into his injured reserve and you you know you if you if you never played fantasy football before it's, an, it's a spot on your roster where you put hurt guys guys who who aren't going to be playing that week and you can basically create another spot on your bench you can pick up another player that might be active this week for you so it's just a smart roster move it's a smart move as an owner if you got a player who's hurt bop, pop him right down in, there into the ir and you can you know pick up a healthy player in his place kind of it keeps you from having to drop that player uh just kind of is a placeholder, but apparently, uh, and, and that's a common rule. It's a very common rule. But apparently, in this major league baseball fantasy football league, where all the players were major leaguers, all the players kind of knew each other. It seemed like uh, it, it was an unspoken or unwritten, or maybe it was a spoken rule that the injured reserve spot was not going to be used uh, by anyone. Jock Peterson did use the, the injured reserve spot and got himself slapped in the face. Now, I got to give a lot of credit to Jock Peterson because he the video that, that we've seen from the incident, Jock Peterson takes the slap like a man, just like Chris Rock did at the, at the Academy Awards and didn't retaliate, kind of walked away. There was a player or two around them, uh, and Jock Peterson was more surprised and did not retaliate. Uh, so good for him. I think that's you know wise move, mature move. Uh, and Tommy Pham says that not only did you violate the rules of our fantasy football group, but you disrespected me. You disrespected me and the rest of the league. 
Uh, Jock Peterson has actually been very, very open in the, during this whole court discussion and during this whole <laughs> like unfolding of the circumstances. Jock Peterson saying, "Yes, I did put player a player in the injured reserve, and this is what I did." And he said, "He said I didn't really feel like I was being disrespectful, but uh, I sent a, a gif in the group chat making fun of the then San Diego Padres, who uh, were was, was was the team that Tommy Pham was on." He said the Padres were underperforming. Uh, they were, you know, a very, very talented team. They were underperforming. And I sent a GIF into our group chat uh, giving them a hard time. And uh, Tommy Pham's reply was, Jock, you don't know me well enough to make these jokes. Uh, and so, like, okay, this saga has gone on for two years. Apparently, this fantasy football league was in 2020. So you've been holding on to this grudge for two years, Tommy Pham, and, and, and then you slap Jock Peterson in the outfield and you got yourself a, a four-game suspension. Well, the story doesn't stop there, as Tommy Pham has now said Mike Trout, the uh, basically the face of baseball, if you don't count Shohei Otani or some of the others, one of the faces of baseball, Mike Trout, uh, arguably the best player in, in the game, uh, Tim Anderson would, would argue with you there. I appreciate that. Uh, but Mike Trout was the commissioner of this fantasy baseball or fantasy football league. Uh, and, and so he said, oh, Mike Trout, if he was, if he just ruled with an iron fist, if he just made a ruling, uh, he could have solved all these disagreements that we have. But apparently he called Mike Trout the worst commissioner and worst fantasy football commissioner I have ever seen. So, I mean... It's a lot of it's a lot of stuff that's made me laugh over the last couple of weeks. But the the main point is, where are you at, Major League Baseball? If the most interesting story to the common fan is about these baseball players playing fantasy football, that's not a very good sign. Now, obviously, baseball has this niche fan base. They have a, you know great fans, and you can get out to a game, go to a ballpark. It's a great time. You turn on ESPN, you can see, you know, the 15-minute highlight package of all the games, this, that, and the other. But the most interesting, most funny thing, like, that's happened in Major League Baseball this year is these these athletes arguing like petulant children. I mean, I have a fantasy football league. We, we, we chat in our group chat all the time. We make fun of each other all the time, sending gifs, sending memes. We're, you know, mostly respectful, but sometimes it gets down in the mud. It absolutely does. Uh, I, I will own that. Sometimes I am getting down in the mud. Have there any busy, have there, have there ever been any physical altercations though? No is the, is the short answer. No physical altercations have happened over my $50 a year fantasy football league. So that brings me to my next question, Mason and Woods, is how much money were these guys playing for that you're going to hold a grudge for two seasons, two whole years? Uh, you're going to hold a grudge, and you, and you just have to get it out. You have to walk up to them and tell them, oh, you disrespected me two years ago. Slap! Like how much money is it? Five thousand dollar buy-in? Is it? You know, these are major league baseball players, so they're all operating on a on a way different pay scale than you and I. Mike Trout is the freaking commissioner, so you, and we know how well he's paid. Is it a twenty-five thousand dollar league? Is it forty thousand dollar buy-in? I think it's got to be somewhere between the twenty-five and forty thousand dollar buy-in, which makes it absurd. 
I pay, uh, you know, I obviously I don't I don't know everybody's pay scale is that is listening to listening to our program right now. You've got people who are probably down bad, and you got people who are doing really good. Like it's very very wide range, and I appreciate you listening. But for me, my fifty dollars is like okay. Here's my fifty dollar buy in. It's not that much where it's going to break me to lose it, but I do want to win it back. I do want to win the league because you know what? If, uh, Ten times five, five hundred bucks. I still want, I want to win that five hundred bucks at the end of the year. That's a nice little prize. And yes, we've had spats and arguments in our league before, 100%. We've had, oh, you shouldn't have done this, you shouldn't have done that. You remember Le'Veon Bell was, uh, de- he, he was designated, like, he wasn't really injured, but he wasn't playing for the Steelers either. Uh, so we had a guy who almost did the same thing. He put Le'Veon Bell in his injured reserve spot. We all freaked out. You can't do that. He's not playing. He's not injured. And he got very upset. He did. He got very upset and, uh, you know, uh, <laughs> that blew up in our faces. He left our league for a year, but we got him back in the league the next year. We, we, we found a replacement for the rest of the season, and, uh, you know, he he took his ball and went home. But that's, like, small potatoes here. Small, like, I just cannot, uh, cannot fathom, cannot fathom uh, how much money it had to, the, the buy-in had to be for, uh, for, for Tommy Pham to go up and slap Jock Peterson and incur a three-game suspension. Uh, I mean, you're obviously not getting paid for those three games, so you, I wonder what you've cost yourself there. I don't know. And, and then it's, it's, it's also hilarious to me that Mike Trout is the commissioner of this league. Mike Trout, like, seems like the most wholesome guy. He doesn't seem like a you know. I don't know. Mike Trout seems like, oh, I'm a great player. I just want to be a great player. I don't really want to be involved in that much other stuff. Uh, it seems like he got balling told to be the commissioner of this league. And once there was like hubbub and arguments, he was like, ah, I don't really care about this. You guys figure it out. You think they're going to reelect Mike Trout for commissioner? No, no, I don't. I think Mike Trout's days of commissioning uh, fantasy football are over. And why would he? Why? Why, why would he? he? He's making like okay, Mirfield. Look up Mike Trout's salary for us, and, and we'll, let's find out how much money he's actually making. Because here's the deal: uh, whatever the buy-in was, it was probably a big deal to Tommy Pham. It was probably a lot of money to lose to Tommy Pham, but it probably wasn't a lot of money to Mike Trout because these guys are all making you know making millions and millions of dollars, but Mike Trout's making a lot more than the rest. Mike Trout made $37 million in 2021. All right, so, and, and, and Tommy Pham, find out what my Tommy Pham are you, because these guys are probably, I mean, while they're in a much higher uh, tax bracket than I am, uh, I would imagine that Mike Trout is uh, operating much, 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 much higher than Tommy Pham is. So, I don't know. What's the highest buy-in that you've ever played in in fantasy football? What's the, what's the most you've, you, you feel like you want to get, gamble away? What do you got for Pham? Tommy Pham making a just a cool six mil. See, okay, and six is great. Six is like, oh my gosh, shoot me in the face and let me retire. I will take six million dollars and head of the house right now. But that's not six six million a year versus thirty seven million a year. Not, Mike Trout didn't care about this league. He didn't care one bit about what, how the money went and who who how the rules went and this that and the other. But Tommy Pham over his six million dollars, I bet you the buy in was right around that twenty five to thirty five thousand dollars, and he wanted to win it back. What's thirty five thirty five by ten? Is what? That's like a three hundred fifty dollar, three hundred fifty thousand uh, dollar reward. So that's like, uh, that's probably like a month of his salary. 
<laughs> oh gosh, uh, live math on the radio is fun, but you you see my point. You see my point that it meant a lot more to Tommy Pham and Jock Peterson than it did to Mike Trout. Don't ever elect like we we've got one guy in our in our league uh, who is operating at the highest tax bracket that that. I know of right now, and he is not in charge. He's not in charge. He barely does any input in our league. He just plays. Uh, Basically, our commissioners have, we we, we rotate commissioners because we like to keep things fresh, but our commissioners have all been guys who are, you know, operating in similar tax brackets, uh, meaning that that $500 payment that that I could win at the end of the year means a lot to me. It's fun. Um, It keeps me invested. But if you're Thirty-seven million dollars a year, Mike Trout. You don't care about this kind of stuff. Do you think? Do you think the whole team is in on the is in on like the you know the fantasy football? Like it's a it's a wide several several teams. You have players involved or anything? Or do you think it's just this team? It's just just a handful of guys. You know, or you think it's kind of the the cool kids playing playing fantasy football. Well, it sounded like. A lot of West Coast teams uh, two years ago. Yeah, Mike Trout. He was making fun, and then it's uh, uh, Jock Peterson was. Uh, Jack Peterson was out there with them as well. I think he was w- w- with the uh, with the uh, Diamondbacks at the moment. But Tommy Pham was with the Padres. I know that. So it sounded like a lot of West Coast teams and just different guys. You know, you, you find 10 guys. Who, who's willing to pay $35,000 buy-in? I mean, you're probably not asking everybody to play. Uh, at that at that rate. And uh, for, for, for Mike Trout, that's like five minutes of his time. I mean, I- Yes, obviously you're not asking a lot of people to probably buy in that much money, but I was I was kind of thinking too, like, you know, I wonder if that is why Tommy Pham got so upset over it because he was potentially looking at making like millions of dollars off of this, maybe. Like I won this past year for the first time in, in ever in in our league's existence. Uh, we've been playing for like eight years, so I won this past year, and it was great. It was it made me feel I was like super happy, and I'm still happy about it. We're we're arguing about this next coming season, and I'm telling everybody I don't care. I won. Just wake me up when 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 week one starts, and and like that's kind of my shtick. Like oh, it's not that big a deal, but no. Tommy Pham is talking about oh, Jock Peterson was disrespecting him, disrespecting him, and disrespecting the league by by putting this guy in the injured reserve guy. He said oh, everybody in the group chat knows what happened. Jack Peterson's sitting there at, at every at, at all the uh, little scrums, and he's pulling up receipts. This is what I said. This is the gif that I sent. Yes, it did make fun of the Padres, but I thought it was kind of harmless. I thought it was funny. Like, it sounds like Tommy Pham just doesn't have a sense of humor. Yeah, it sounds like he's the one guy that's taking it way too seriously. And, I mean... I understand you're competitive. There's a lot of money on the line, but it's fantasy football. Like literally, it's it's just it's just like it is nothing more than numbers on their phones. Like it's it's exactly, and you have no control of it. There's nothing that you can do. Like okay, if you're playing baseball, you can make adjustments at the plate. You can you know run. You can run the bases better. You can throw, throw throw pit. You know if it's your sport. You can have control of it, but fantasy football and 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 this is the, like the the thing about it. People who lose their minds over it, it's like, dude, you're just setting a lineup of ten guys, and you never know what's going to happen. They could all roll their ankle in the first uh, on the first play. Like it's just a big old crapshoot. You try to make the best lineups you can. You try to uh, predict things and guess things. Obviously, you got guys like Field Yates and Matthew Barry trying to help you out and set the best lineups possible. But at the end of the day, you have no control over it. Once you hit set on your lineup, 
that's it. You're just watching the games at that point. And, and, and so for Tommy Pham to get so upset uh, is hilarious to me. And then for the fact that Major League Baseball's biggest story so far this year is a fantasy football story, I uh, don't think that's a very good sign for your sport. I think that's a pretty bad sign for your sport. Obviously, football is king. Football is king here in Tuscaloosa. Football is king here pretty much nationwide, coast to coast. But for Major League Baseball, like, this is your big story so far. Now, obviously, we're right here in June, in the end of May, early June. you still got uh, two or three more months of baseball to play. And, and obviously, the, the, the Mets are doing really well, and the Yankees are doing really well. So you, you could be setting up for a Subway Series down the line. Like, there's some cool storylines that could be happening. But the coolest, most interesting stories so far this year in baseball is fantasy football. So, uh I know Jacob will be talking a lot of fantasy football as the new season approaches when he gets back. I love fantasy football. I think it's a blast, but like it's not that serious. Don't 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 get yourself suspended. I'm not starting a fight in the office over over our fantasy football league. Uh, like I'm just not. If you're playing, if the money is that big a factor, you're playing for too much money. You 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 shouldn't be uh, playing for enough money where you're getting that aggravated, that upset over simple, you know, little tactical decisions that other players in your league are are, are, are doing. And then you shouldn't be that upset when people are uh, making jokes in a group chat. If you've never been in a group chat before and been joking or been the subject of a joke, then you, you, you're not in the right group chats. You don't have the right friends. Like, literally, my friends get on to me almost every single day, and I try to do the same to them. And, you know, it's all love. It's all in fun. It, it, like, you got to have a little bit of a sense of humor with it. And so, Tommy Fam, lighten up, buddy. We're going to take a break right here. When we come back, I want to talk about Nick Saban and his NIL talk yesterday. He met outside the SEC spring meetings. Uh, he talked for about 14, 15 minutes, and there are several comments in there that I'd like to touch on and get, and get your opinions on. You can call us and jump in on the Alabama Vintage Hotline at 205-342-9904. This is Off the Edge right here on Tide 100.9. It's the home of Alabama Crimson Tide Sports. 365 24-7. You'll find road and utility crews, tow trucks, law enforcement, and first responders working along Alabama's roadway. We're making improvements and helping our communities stay connected. We're working hard to make sure you're safe on the road. Now we need your help to make sure we're safe too. Alabama's move over law requires you to move over a lane when you see flashing lights on the roadside. And if you can't safely move over, please slow down. Visit drivesafealabama.org. Brought to you by the Alabama Department of Transportation, Alabama Broadcasters Association, and this cop. The Alabama Securities Commission protects you from financial fraud. Anyone asking you for investment money must be licensed. You're careful with your money. Fraudsters aren't. Before you invest, call our hotline at 1-800-222-1253 to verify the licensing of the person making an offer and the product. Don't lose your hard-earned money. Learn to protect yourself at asc.alabama.gov. Paid for by the Investor Protection Trust and brought to you by the Alabama Broadcasters Association and this station. Tide 100.9 Tuscaloosa weather. A hot afternoon. The sky partly to mostly sunny. Tuscaloosa's I-92. Tonight, mostly fair with a low at 70. Tomorrow, a mixture of clouds and sunshine. Scattered showers and thunderstorms developing by afternoon. The high at 89. I'm James Spann on the ABC 3340 Weather Center on Tide 100.9. It's 87 degrees in Tuscaloosa. We aren't going anywhere. Off the Edge is available in the Podcast Center. On Tide100.9.com. 
Well, I, I think right now everybody's looking for solutions. I think every conference is looking for a solution. Uh, I would assume that the NCAA continues to look for solutions. Um, and again, I think the solution is how do we still have equitable national competition, you know, which has always been the goal. And um, I also think that you know we all want to continue to benefit the player. Uh, I'm certainly not opposed to you know benefiting the player every way we can. Um, but I also in, in a model where the player can continue to stay focused on what they need to do to create value for their future. That makes sense. You know, like you're going to college to prepare yourself for the day you can't play football. Right, to see if you can develop a career as a football player and play at the next level. So there's a certain amount of focus that needs to, you know, stay in place for you to be the best version of yourself in doing that. So I think every conference, uh, conference commissioners, uh, university presidents, uh, I think, um, you know, everybody's trying to come up with the best possible solution. And I think there's a lot of good people there that have a lot of good ideas and hopefully we'll be able to um, get something done. But I also think that, you know, there may be um, some reason for, you know, the federal government to create some standard. I mean, if you start looking, as soon as you start buying people and as soon as you don't have contracts, um, then look at the NFL model, you know, but they, they, they have contracts, they have free agency, um, they have a players association, the players association monitors the agents, uh, so players are protected. Um, so, you know, a lot of these things just don't exist and never really needed to exist in college football. But as soon as you start paying people or people start earning money, um, then you got to start thinking about how, how, do, how do we need to control those things in a way that creates uniform balance for everybody. That's Nick Saban yesterday at SEC Spring Meetings down in Destin. You heard my friend Joey Blackwell typing his little fingers away. Joey Blackwell, the best in the business. You can hear him right here on Off the Edge on Thursdays, most Thursdays. Uh, Joey Blackwell at Blackwell Sports. Uh, but I want to talk about Nick Saban in some of his comments yesterday, specifically with how he's referencing the NFL and their contracts. And he's absolutely right. If you are to a tongue of our level, you're under contract to play for the Miami Dolphins. You know, you're Jalen Hurts. You're under contract to play for the Philadelphia Eagles. You can't just quit and transfer to, you know, the, the the New York Giants. You can't just quit and transfer to my Chicago Bears. Uh, that would be cool, but that, but that's just not the way that works. And so I, I want to talk about the contracts, and then he also talks about players' union and uh, players' union to protect the players. These are two, two, two concepts that I don't really know if, he, if Coach Saban actually wants because here's the thing. With the NFL, Bill Belichick is also under contract. Bill Belichick under contract. My new man, Matt Eberflus, with the Chicago Bears, is under contract. Kyle Shanahan under contract for the San Francisco 49ers. So here's the deal. When the Atlanta Falcons have a job opening, as Arthur Smith will probably be looking for a new job at some point soon, when the, when the, when the, when the Atlanta Falcons have a job opening, or uh, didn't Sean Payton, Sean Payton's on his last leg with, with the Saints, right? 
or did he already retire? No? Okay, gosh. Uh, who the heck did they? Oh, they hired uh, the defensive coordinator, Dennis, uh, Dennis, uh, I can't. This Allen, Dennis Allen. Uh, so when when a, when a program doesn't have a quote coach uh, and is looking for a coach, like my Chicago Bears were looking for a coach this year, it would have been great. It would have been great if if my Chicago Bears could have went out and said, "Bill Belichick, we have fifty billion dollars. Will you come coach for the Chicago Bears?" But the problem, the issue is that it's not allowed in the in the league. You you cannot you cannot go and 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 base and get, get another coach. From another franchise, you you have to hire either hire from within. You have to hire a coordinator. You have to hire somebody from college. You can't go hire another coach away from a franchise. Uh, if you do do if you do that, uh, it has to come in a trade. Basically, we will trade you three or four picks in order to make this thing. So, I wonder, Coach Saban. I mean, you're you're coaching for one of the best universities in the country. So this doesn't really apply to you at the moment. But when you were with Kent State and Michigan State. And you're, you know, on the move, moving to Michigan State and moving to LSU and then obviously Dolphins and then back to Alabama. What were you doing? You're upgrading. You're, you're upgrading your circumstances. You're upgrading your scenario. You're upgrading your resources. So your college coach, your Billy Napier, is he going to be locked into his, his, his previous contract with uh, Louisiana Lafayette? Is he going to be locked into his, con- uh, his contract with, with the Raging Cajuns and he can't go to Florida? Because that's what Florida wanted him. They wanted to hire him, obviously, and, and and they paid they paid his buyout. They paid for him to do that. And Barry Sanderson was like, "Oh well, you know, somebody's paying the end of that contract. Yeah, somebody's paying it, but not the coaches. It's it's uh it's UCF basically hiring uh, Gus Malzahn after he was fired from Auburn. Like, all right, that's great. And and it's Auburn hiring Brian Harson away from Boise State, paying Boise State some of his buyout." It's Alabama hiring Nate, Nate Oates away from University of Buffalo. These things are, you know, if you want to talk contracts, you want to lock these players in to, to, their, to their commitment, to their scholarship, and they can't transfer. Well, you can't transfer either. That's what I think about that. You know, I mean, the coaches are basically can, can go to any, any program they want any year. If Nick Saban decides this year he want, in, in the offseason he wants to go coach for, you know, Southwestern Tech U, he can do it. Because that's just the way the, co- the the college coaches have the freedom. So you want the freedom uh, on the coaching end of things, but you're not going to give it to the players. I think that's a little little talking out of both sides of your mouth. Uh, you, you you talk about contracts and, and everything being being above board with, with NIL money, and, and and that's great. I think it's great that you can kind of uh, that you make it, that you can make NIL public record. I think that would be awesome for for us to be able to look into you know whatever record at the University of Alabama and find out how much money Bryce Young is making with Cash App, how much money Bryce Young made for his podcast with Colin Cowherd, how much money Bryce, uh, you know, different athletes made for their, their deals with Bojangles. We had several several guys go out and have Bojangles uh, deals last year. Like, that'd be awesome, I, I feel like, whether it's just for, for trade on food or whether, you know, it's actual monetary value. Bryce Young, did you just get paid in stakes by Logan's Roadhouse? I want to know, how many sirloins were you worth? Uh, I think that'd be super uh, a great thing to make it very transparent. But when you're talking contracts about the transfer portal and this, that, and the other, like these players can only transfer one time. 
Freely, freely. That is, they can transfer every year if they want to, but they, but they got to sit out after the first year, after the first time they transfer. They can only transfer one time freely, so there's not as much freedom as you're insinuating. All this is from Coach Saban is, oh my gosh, we're losing control. I'm losing control of my program. I'm losing control of the team. I'm losing control of the sport. I have had the sport under my thumb for 15 years. And maybe some of the things are escaping uh, out from underneath my, underneath my thumb that might uh, might make things harder on me. Now, the second thing that he got into in that clip was talking about how the NFL has a players' union to represent and protect the players. Let me tell you what you do not want, Coach Saban. You do not want a college football players' association, college football players' union, this, that, and the other. Because what happens when... Alabama goes over the twenty when you when you when you get a guy that goes over the twenty hour rule and he's upset with it he's not getting playing time it, like what happens like I, there's gonna be we, we remember it was Mike Leach right who who put the guy who had the guy in the closet uh had had the ESPN announcer player in the closet this that and the other like. Yeah, Mike Leach got a lot of trouble for that. I think he got fired for that. Uh, and and so that's that's all well and good. He got he was disciplined, but like these sorts of things. Oh, coach cussed me out at practice today. Like this sort of thing. Like, you're gonna have, you do not want to give them uh, some sort of union representation, uh, some sort of like unified representation that's going to defend you because. It sounds good uh, because Coach Saban's coming to, coming at it from a perspective of of uh, you're, you're going to protect the players from bad NIL deals, from bad actors on the agent side of things. Agents coming in, going to going to promise you you know a million bucks for a Nike deal, and you're only going to get hundred thousand or so, whatever the case may be. This is just spitballing, but what it's actually going to be like? There will be some of that. There absolutely will be some of that. But what it'll also be is, oh, coach mistreated me in practice. Oh, coach lied to me. Oh, this, that, and the other. Like, you're going to allow these players to to unionize, and and then what? What it's going to be is, oh, well, we're a union now. We want you to be paid from the school as well. We're a union. We're employees. We're we're employees of the school. And I don't think that Coach Saban wants that at all. I think that Coach Saban, uh, I, I I think that there's. There's reasons why NIL has to work. It has to work because you allow uh, you allow the players' freedom to find their own money, to find their own deals, to find their own worth. When you talk about, oh, well, you should give the players a cut from the, of the conference revenue. You know, every year the SEC gi- gives out their check to all, all 14 member schools and soon to be 16 member schools. Oh, the the athletes should all make a cut of that conference revenue. Okay, that sounds good. That sounds great. Uh, but our is the women's tennis player making the same as the men's football player? Is the swimming and swimming and diving athlete making the same as the basketball athlete? Like you're going to run into a lot of issues there, and it's going to be fairness. And oh, I, I need to get mine. And, and you know, you're going to get a lot of lawsuits in where oh, the football guys deserve hundred thousand dollars, but the basketball, but but the uh, maybe track and field athlete only only garners 10k something like that nil has to work because you put the responsibility on the players and on the athletes to find their own money to find their own value and to maximize their own value and nil has to work because 
it, it removes the burden, the financial burden off the schools, off the institution of the SEC, off the the television contracts. That, that's an idea. Didn't Billy Napier? I, I believe Billy Napier yesterday, day before, said, "Oh, we should, you know, give them a piece of the television pie," which sounds great. That sounds perfect. You want to get rid of NIL? Get rid of NIL and give all the kids a piece of the television dollars. I think that that's that that'd be fine. But then you're going back to who's negotiating for the players. Is it the players players association? Is it the players union? Who is doing the negotiating for the players to to make sure that they get a fair piece of that pie? And how does that argument going to work? How is that argument going to going to go? It's so many messy situations that because basically the college the colleges and people who run college athletics want. Uh, want to keep these kids under control un, in some sort of, you know, they want to keep all the money. The, the universities want to keep the money from that they get from the conferences. The conferences want to keep the money that they get from the television deals. They don't want the kids to get any piece of that because that's coming out of their own behind. So NIL has to work. Uh, and the last thing before I take a, take my next break, the last thing on Coach Saban's uh you know, piece from that little clip was talking about maybe we should have federal legislation. I'm sorry. I don't trust the federal government for anything. I said it yesterday uh, that, you know, if you get federal legislation, it's probably going to take 10 years to get. Doesn't the federal government have enough on its plate at the moment? Uh, we all are bitching about gas prices. We're all crying about inflation. We're all crying about, you know, supply chains. Not only that, you've got whatever side you fall on with abortion and gun control. Both of those issues have come way up to the forefront in the last two or three weeks. Doesn't the federal government have bigger issues to solve than college kids making money? Bigger issues to solve than making college coaches who make millions of dollars, making their job easier, making their job simpler? Now, what, what, one thing I, I totally am on board with, Gary Harris in the last show and Nick Saban and many, many other people have talked about changing the, the calendar, changing the windows for transferring. I'm totally on board with that. You, 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 college football can take a lot away from international soccer, can take a lot of lessons away from international soccer. International soccer basically has transfer portal windows where one team I can buy – Mason Woods off of Team X for a hundred thousand, you know, for for a hundred million dollars. But I can only buy him in January and then in June and July. Those are the only times. And I'm negotiating with with Mason Woods' people in January and June and July. But if if my deal doesn't get done in January or June and July, well, Mason Woods is stuck with his original team, and and that's the way that's going to go. We can take a lot of lessons away from international soccer. You, you make the transfer portal January after the national championship game. All, you can make it all the way up till uh, all the way up to to the first first bit of spring practice if you wanted to. Do you think that getting rid of early signing day would kind of help alleviate maybe some of these kids that are transferring? Because it seems like a lot of kids just get. I mean, you're getting to school like that's so fast to turn around and go to this school and like you're you're stuck there and I don't know. Yeah, like I, I hate early signing period personally. I think adding these periods where kids could get these, you know, I don't want to call it a tampering period, whatever you want to call it, I don't care. I think that might, adding on top of that, getting rid of an early signing period could also help alleviate transfer issues potentially. Well, uh, you, you might be onto that. I, absolutely. I haven't really considered how getting rid of the early signing date would affect things. Uh, but I do think that, that you have to have certain windows where, 
you can't talk to my man Mason Woods because he's playing quarterback for, for, for my team that right now. It just seems like a lot of these top-end recruits and stuff are so, so ready to go and be go get with their program by early signing day that it like, and I don't know the numbers exactly, but it seems like so many of them are just so ready to get out there and go. And then it's like, Oh, well, hell I don't actually fit well here. I'm kind of stuck here because I came here in December and you know, it's just a weird spot. Yeah. I mean, and then they, they potentially burn their one-time transfer in the summer before they're even a freshman. Uh, we saw at least, uh, with, with uh, the, the Lanier kid that, that went to Georgia State and then transferred back to Alabama to walk on, who now has a scholarship at Indiana, he transferred from Georgia State to Indiana in the summer before his freshman year, uh, which is, you know. Dane Shore. I mean, he's been here a few months. That's a great example as well. Thank you. Uh, I, so it, it is something to consider. I just I, I just think that Coach Saban, like, NIL has to work. And you have to either get on board or get or or get out. You know, Coach Say, uh, Barry Sanderson talks about, oh, it's going to run players, it's going to run coaches out of the industry. It's going to run coaches. Out. So what if if it runs them out of the industry? Guess who's going to be right behind them? Young coaches who are ready to adapt and ready to embrace the model as it is. We're going to take our last break right here. When we come back, we'll come down and close down the show. This is Off the Edge, and if you want to talk about any of the things I've brought up, fantasy football in Major League Baseball, Nick Saban at NIL, uh, I'm sure a lot of you probably disagree with me, and that's perfectly A-OK. You can do that on the Alabama Vintage Hotline at 205-342-9904. This is Off the Edge on Tide 100.9. It's the home of Alabama Crimson Tide Sports. 365 24-7. You'll find road and utility crews, tow trucks, law enforcement, and first responders working along Alabama's roadway. We're making improvements and helping our communities stay connected. We're working hard to make sure you're safe on the road. Now we need your help to make sure we're safe too. Alabama's move over law requires you to move over a lane when you see flashing lights on the roadside. And if you can't safely move over, please slow down. Visit drivesafealabama.org. Brought to you by the Alabama Department of Transportation, Alabama Broadcasters Association, and this... Are you receiving unemployment? Your benefits could be at risk. Here's how you can protect yourself and your benefits. Never respond to mail notifying you of a false claim in your name. Never answer a text message asking you to verify your account. And only respond to official Alabama Department of Labor's social media pages. Report fraud at labor.alabama.gov fraud. Brought to you by the Alabama Department of Labor, ABA, and the station. The Alabama Department of Labor is an equal opportunity employer program. Auxiliary aids and services available upon request to individuals with disabilities. Dial 711 for TTY accessibility. COVID-19 has disrupted our lives, but it won't have the last word. We will. Across Alabama, thousands are getting vaccinated to protect themselves and others. Find out where you can get the COVID vaccine today at alabamaunites.com. Please get vaccinated. If you have symptoms, also get tested for COVID-19. Alabama Unites Against covid Sponsored by the ADPH, the ABA, and this station. Tide 100.9, Tuscaloosa weather. A hot afternoon, the sky partly to mostly sunny, Tuscaloosa sign 92. Tonight, mostly fair with the low at 70. Tomorrow, a mixture of clouds and sunshine. Scattered showers and thunderstorms developing by afternoon, the high at 89. I'm James Spann on the ABC 3340 Weather Center on Tide 100.9. It's 87 degrees in Tuscaloosa. You're listening to Off the Edge on Tide 100.9.
Welcome back into Off the Edge right here on Tide 100.9 and streaming on the Tide 100.9 app. I want to thank you guys for jumping in and joining me today. Hanging out for the next for, uh, 15, 20, 15 or so minutes, but we're making way for the Jay Barker Show. Jay Barker, Matt Coulter, Lars Anderson hanging out 12 to 2. Jay, uh, Ryan Fowler, 2 until 6 with the game. We'll have our first Tide tonight of the summer this evening, 6 to 7. And we'll shut it down with the Chuck Oliver Show 7 to 9 tonight. So all day action right here on Tide 100.9. Uh, let's get into a little NBA playoffs. The NBA Finals are starting tomorrow. Warriors and Celtics going to be starting in Golden State tomorrow. Uh, so it'll be, it'll be what, the sixth or seventh time the Warriors have made it to the Finals in the last handful of years? Oh, my gosh, I should know, know this by now. But it'll be the first time for the Celtics, for at least for this group of the Celtics, uh, they made it to the conference finals each of the last four years and been defeated uh, the last three, but on, uh, one on Sunday beating the Heat. And uh, we'll talk about what we think is going to happen. I know the main, you know, the Warriors are favorite. Obviously, they got the championship pedigree, Steph Curry, Clay Thompson, and the like. But, uh, you know, I think the uh, Boston Celtics are going to win. I think they're going to win win the series in seven games. Uh, the Celtics are what nine and four in the uh, in the last uh, in their last thirteen games against the Warriors since 2016. I think they're seven and one in the last three or four years against the Warriors. So they've they've had some success against this this iteration of the Golden State Warriors. You've got great defenders in Jalen Brown and Marcus Smart. You've got a really no, annoying player in Grant Williams, an emerging superstar in Jason Tatum. I think the Celtics are. Uh, uh, are going to do it with their with their defense. Yeah, I think the Celtics are I I think they're a bit of like the feistier team, you know, they're a little scrappier than the Warriors are. Uh I don't think the Warriors are necessarily soft. I don't think Draymond Green is soft, but uh the rest of the roster yeah, a little suspect, you know, as far as just being being able to kind of bang inside with some of these guys and I think the Celtics kind of have that presence inside especially with a guy like Al Horford who you know, veteran presence in there. He knows what he's doing. He uh, he's ready to play, and he is obviously going to be very hungry to win a finals. I think he's. I saw this weekend after the uh, after the game seven. I saw that he he's played the most playoff games without going to a finals. So he is going to be hungry to win. Golden State going to their uh, sixth sixth final, one two three four five sixth final in eight years. Uh, and this will be Steve Kerr. Steve Kerr has now played in a final in, in the NBA Finals in each of the last four decades. He uh, did it what three or four times with the Bulls. He did it once uh, with the Spurs in early 2003, and then now he's done it uh, in the teen, 2010s with the Warriors, and now 2020s with the Warriors as well. So Steve Kerr, uh, not only being a very vocal person in the me- media with his politics, but also highly, highly successful as a basketball coach. Whether you whether you like or like him or hate him for his politics, he's been very, very successful with Steve Kerr and the, and the Golden State Warriors. Uh, no, I, I I think that uh, the 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 Celtics will slow the game down. They'll muck, they'll muck it up, and they'll be able to kind of beat them up in the half court set and defend them. Uh, I know Steph Curry is awesome, and Clay Thompson also awesome. They're trying to really prove that they've you know have reclimbed the mountaintop after a couple of years of being really really bad luck. Clay Thompson having a couple of really bad injuries uh, and, and some bad luck befalling the Golden State Warriors. So that that'll get started tomorrow night. Uh, Mason Woods, have you seen the latest Tunon tweet? 
It's not directly from Tua Non. The, the, one, the one directed at Chris, Chris Sims? No, uh, not directly from Tua Non tweet, but this is this is coming from Xavier Howard today. A quote uh, about 10, 15 minutes ago. Tua Tungavaloa, he's bombing that ball. So uh, you're getting you're getting high praise from the from the opposite end. You get a lot of praise out, out of out of the Dolphins camp for Tua, and I really just think that uh, I really think that people he's going to be. I think people are going to be surprised this year. I think people are going to be surprised with what he's able to do with a real complement of weapons. Uh, I'm, I'm really looking forward to seeing Tua this year playing with Tyreek Hill and Jalen Waddle because the thing is, you're not going to be able to double both of them. You're not going to be able to uh, really defend both of them. And Gasecki in the middle, you've got a uh, brand new coach. That's my only worry. Brand new coach, uh, whether he's going to be able to manage all the personalities, whether he's going to be able to manage everything as as a head coach, a CEO type, uh, in, instead of just an offensive coordinator. They say he's a little mad genius. Uh, he kind of looks like a, a little computer nerd, but uh, that's neither here nor there. If he can call the right plays and manage, manage the team correctly. Yeah, you mentioned kind of handling the personalities there. Obviously, a guy like Tyreek Hill is a big personality. Jalen Waddle is a big personality. Do you think that at any point throughout the season there's going to be any butting heads between them two? Because, yeah. I don't think it'd be crazy to think that Tyreek's hit numbers are probably going to take a bit of a dip being alongside a guy like Jalen Waddle. I wonder if there's going to be any tension there that Mike McDaniels has to has to has to navigate through. It, it might be my bias. It might be my bias, and it probably is just out saying it. But I don't see Jalen Waddle as that kind of type. I see I see Ty- Tyreek Hill as that kind of type. Why aren't you throwing me the ball? I'm running way past everybody. And you're just throwing it to your buddy Jalen Waddle. I do see him being that kind of type to uh, be upset about it. But here's the thing: if they're winning, if they're winning, then nobody's really going to care. If they, if they are if they're winning and taking care of business and getting to the playoffs, you know, Tua's had them on the verge of the playoffs the last two years, uh, missing the playoffs by like half a game last year and probably two games the the, the year before. Uh, no, I, I think Tyreek Hill is that type, but. Uh, no, Jalen Waddle. He's going to be a team first guy. He's going to run his routes, and you, you know he came from. He was in the original incarnation of, of the rideouts. We're running brotherhood routes. We run the routes as hard as we can because it'll let other players get open. Uh, and, so, and so I think uh, Tua is going to surprise a lot of people this year. Unfortunately, Tua in like week six or seven is heading up to uh, heading up to Chicago, and I, I wonder. Oh gosh, I, I think he's probably going to put a hurting on, on my Bears. Hey, they did. They drafted like a lot of defensive backs. You know, maybe maybe some of them will do out of something. necessity. Out of necessity, because the defensive backfield was not, is not good. Uh, have you seen the over under total for for my Bears? It's six and a half. And uh, I was listening to a lot of a lot of get out of here, Hardy, with that. I, I was listening to a lot of a lot of people on uh, the other well, probably two nights ago taking the under. But if you want easy money, you better take that over. Easy money on the over. Justin Fields, it's a it's a breakout year. Maybe I hope. It, 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 a lot's riding on people staying healthy, because you know the front line, the, the starters for the Bears, I think could win ten games, could win nine games, could go over. But if a couple of key guys get hurt, that six five four looks very 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 realistic uh, for my Chicago Bears. Uh, we're going to get out of here for the day. Uh, thank you all guys for listening to us on Off the Edge. We're going to make way for the Jay Barker Show. Jay Barker, Matt Coulter, and Lars Anderson coming up next. We want to remind you, Ryan Fowler, 2 until 6, tied tonight, the first tied tonight of the summer with our interns tonight at 6 o'clock, 6 to 7, and we'll shut it on down with the Chuck Oliver Show 7 to 9 right here on Tide 100.9. It's the home of Alabama Crimson Tide Sports.